Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 280 of Cyclocross Radio. On this episode, we're all back together. Zach, Michael, myself, we're in the media pit. We're talking about the three days of racing that took place last weekend in Falmouth, Massachusetts, starting with the Pan American Championships and then going into two days of really rad festival of cyclocross and also the last event in the US CX series. So much to cover, we didn't even get to Euros or any of the other racing that happened. It was all North American racing this week. We're going to get into all of that, but before we do, I want to tell you about Forever Endurance. It's a coaching group, and I, I, if, if you follow cycling at all, if you're involved in cycling, if you race bikes, you know that there are a lot of coaches out there and there are a lot of coaching groups out there and it can be difficult to figure out which one is best for you. Forever Endurance covers a lot of sports. They have coaches that can help you with swimming, with running, with triathlon, with all sorts of cycling, racing. I want to focus on cyclocross racing because that's kind of what we do here at Cyclocross Radio. And these are some names you might know. Grant Holicky, Chris McGovern, Stephen Hyde, all coaches with Forever Endurance. And the difference that these guys bring to coaching that you may not get with many others is not only the experience that they have all have raced at the professional level grant in triathlon chris and uh stephen hyde in bike racing it's that they're at the races now a lot of times if you're working with a coach you uh get a plan and you maybe talk on the phone once a week or once a month or you know even just text or email and you never really have that that personal connection and that can be good for building a foundation and sort of getting you to to where you need to be to compete at some level but the thing about grant and govern and hide is they're at all the races and they have that boots on the ground insight that not every coach is going to have not every coach is working in the pits not every coach is riding laps of of every course or even racing the course earlier in the day and being able to have that insight and maybe they're not necessarily even at your race but you know they've been at a race and and that they 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 know what it takes to compete they know what it takes to win a race and they know how to mentor you to get you to that same level and and that's that that's kind of that 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 special sauce that I think you're going to get from Forever Endurance and my goal here is really just to give you an introduction to that group and to learn more you, you, there's two things you can do they have a website you can go to foreverendurance.com I think in these new social media days the the better option may be to follow them on Instagram at Forever Endurance, and then DM them and ask about the coaching. Set up a meeting to to learn more about what they can offer to get you to that next level, whatever your goals may be. Heck, ask them about progressive and holistic training. And when you find out what that is, tell me. Foreverendurance.com, also at Forever Endurance. Give those guys a follow, DM them, learn more information, get those results you're looking for, progress, build, and be a better bike racer. All right. It's episode 280 of Cyclocross Radio. We're talking about Falmouth, Massachusetts, really rad in the Pan American Championships. We've got Michael and Zach. It's the media pit, and we're doing all of it right now. We are back in the media pit with all three of us. It's this. It's been a while. It's. I think this is. Yeah, Michael, of course, is the the Curtis White Consistency Award for the uh, media pit, and uh, Zach is uh, now back. I'm actually sitting at my desk again for the first time in I don't 
know how long. So that, that feels good. But uh, that doesn't mean we weren't traveling. Everybody was uh, up in Falmouth, Massachusetts for the uh, Costa Rican Pan American Championships and then also the really rad festival of cyclocross uh where do we get michael michael i think you had the you had the most uh uh fraught travel of any of us but you you've made it home yeah 14 hours to get to falmouth and 14 hours to get back i love flying just love it so much um but it was worth it to uh go to really rad so i'm back in new orleans though and i'm tired <laughs> And Zach back in Chicago, not not as not as bad traveling to the to to the coast. No, it it wasn't it wasn't super fraught. I mean, I got to spend some quality time. Uh, it was really annoying. Uh, long story, but I end up having to gate check my bag. But Delta makes you pick it up at baggage claim, and I found the one restaurant slash bar that's pre-security at Logan Airport because I had to wait for Bodie for like 17 hours. So I was a little nervous that I was going to have to really like, you know, end up just on a, a bench somewhere, but it worked out okay. It worked out okay. And we we had a good time, uh, stayed at the uh, Admiral, Admiralty. We we're struggling to say it. The Admiralty Inn uh, was a bunch of hockey parents. So it was, it was a good time. Yeah. I thought at one point editing these videos, I was going to have to pull a Matthew Vanderpool because they were running up and down that hall. Oh and- my God. They totally were. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, <laughs> like at 11 at night, it I'm, was, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they set up a goal at the end of the hall yeah. and they were literally playing hockey <laughs> in the hall. Yes. Yeah, so Michael multiple times made the Va- Vanderpool reference and we were like, too soon? No. Too soon? <laughs> I was working you hard. You should have been out there. No, you should have been out there filming hall hockey. You could have put that <laughs> GoPro to use finally. Strapped it to one of those kids' heads. Hey, hey, I got there. Are, in those two videos I made, there's two CX TV videos. There are at least three seconds of GoPro footage in there. So that 80 gigs of footage I shot <laughs> of the sand pit was worth it. <laughs> I forgot you did strap a strap a camera there. That was good. But yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh yeah, no, I think I'm thinking back on it now. I think I know those three seconds. So yeah, yeah. it was all worth it. <laughs> it was the one move. Those were good. If you all have not seen the uh Cyclocross televisions from Pan Am's that uh Bodie film, definitely worth checking out. They're on the uh, wide angle podium YouTube channel. So, you know, along with all of the race reports and everything else Zach was doing over at the bulletin. Uh, yeah, we got some, some moving picture stuff out there too. And then I guess we got, we got us talking about the races. Zach, where do we, I don't know. Where do we start? Where do we start with, with Cape Cod? Well, I thought you were going to reference your reels, but that, that's also, you can also check out. <laughs> that's right. That's my Instagram. <laughs> uh, I mean, so Pan Am's, I guess I wanted to, to talk about the venue. I don't know. I had never been there. I think, I, I guess I was making this reference that I think, you know, we've seen the Northeast CX classics go away. Gloucester's gone. Providence is gone. Uh, these races that are just iconic American races don't exist anymore. And we've seen some kind of like upstarts and here and there. I'm looking at you, KMC CrossFest, which was just an absolute train wreck of a disaster for everyone involved. And this really rad festival of cyclocross kind of popped up. And I think it started all the way back in 2018 maybe and it was like oh that's a it's a weird name maybe it was 2019 it's a weird name kind of like a c2 no one really went you know it wasn't like big fields or whatever and it's like it's called really rad that sounds kind of hokey uh i don't know if this is gonna last uh but then you know last year it happened had a bunch of good riders went and uh i went you know we went this year and what a a phenomenal event i think with the exception of some issues at the start of pan ams with some of the masters fields like i thought it was a great event michael and i talked about this Great eco-friendly parking, solar panels over the parking lot, uh, you know, really easy to get around, um, some great places to watch, literal bleachers for the key places to watch. We had some features. Uh, we had some nugs for photographers to go find. Uh, I just thought it was a really great, great event and lots of positive vibes, lots of people out there. And I super enjoyed the weekend there. 
Yeah, so Adam Sykes, who's the main race organizer, is also uh, an events guy. You know, that's that's what he does. So the the nice thing about this race is that he doesn't have to go out and rent all the stuff like all of us other race organizers have to do. All the fencing is his. You know, all of the all of the infrastructure is his. The uh, the the hurricane proof podium that that he has that's like uh, six feet off the ground you know that's all that's all part of it and and, and does a really good job on the production side of it and I think it looks really good when I was watching it uh, uh, today on the GCN coverage I thought it it looked great you know it's one of those things you you see a lot a lot of times when we see these drone shots you can sort of see the uh, the parts of a course where maybe some corners have been cut, you know, and you got a lot of tape there and it just didn't look like that. I mean, it looked, it looked pro from above as well. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Zach. And it had some, you know, not a ton of elevation, but at least, at least some rolling features in there, a, a legit sand feature that definitely became a factor in, in many of the races that we saw over the weekend, some really uh, technical bits in the back near the trailer and barn section and then also on the front side you know that we'll talk about later where uh bruner and i think a lot of other people it, it looks like it's we always talk about those innocuous spots that sort of jump up and get people and that's that was one of them too sort of these technical uh off camber um twisty bits in the in the front of the course but uh yeah any anything else to add just venue wise michael i was just just speaking of some of the features you know it's on a fairground it's the cape cod fairground so that's why you've got, I, I I don't know that with the dressage. It's the it's the what what was the thing the, the hippodrome? It's not quite a hippodrome, but there was the 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 field with the bleachers. But then behind the bleachers was this like amazing photo spot. There's a lot of photo opportunities at really rad, which I thought was rad. Um, but the abandoned RV, like I have so many questions about that. Like why is it there? Are you okay, sure prob- it's are you sure it's abandoned or was it just vacated for the weekend? <laughs> we went in Michael had I some mean, shots inside. Oh no, I was I was in we were calling that breaking bad corner. Oh yeah, for sure. I no, I was in there too, but I'm still, you know, people have different standards. Okay. <laughs> I mean it was like I mean it was pretty busted. So it's just like that's been there for a while. And it's just like there's just like a you know, meet me behind the bleachers at the Cape Cod Fairgrounds, you know, I've got like making jokes that it was like the best accommodations uh you know on near the course you know steps from the venue yeah so my, my question though for for you all is like yeah it was easy to get in there and everybody sort of took took their their shots inside of that caravan uh did you go in the other one that still had sort of the glass doors on it no no i was not going to step foot in that one not that that would look like maybe someone actually lived in there wasn't going to trespass but i did i did and these will come out in my my photo post on the bulletin i did go into the barn and i did go into the stall i actually uh, ventured into the stall luckily there was no uh they were they were clean there's no horse poop anywhere um but i shot out i think i feel like i shot out the barn i think the entire photo crew shot out the barn it is done we covered it like so many good angles i just i had a really good time at that venue and just part of it is just a new place to go to you're seeing new things for the first time i mean you guys you know zach you've been to trek cup a hundred times like at some point you sort of like you're like what photo do i take now how do i make this look interesting so there was a little bit of excitement being at a new venue and being like everything is new and fresh and you're just having a blast taking shots and especially on Saturday in that men's race and the light got really nice. Yeah, I was going to say this was a big, I'm glad you touched on that, Bill. I think this was a big photographer bingo weekend. I mean, there were a lot of highlights that you you had to hit. So, and, and, you know, I certainly made a point because I knew it would come up that you have to do photographer bingo. And it seems like everyone really converted on doing that with the barn. You had the sand pit, you had the Saturday silhouettes, uh, I mean, there was just lots of lots of good stuff that 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 you had to uh, to hit there. But Bodie, you were excited, you know, uh, after about being at a new venue. Were you excited by Sunday to be at this new venue? <laughs> well, the, the, it seemed like a lot of people weren't. Um, three days in a row is a lot for anything to do. Uh, I was excited because I did something different, which I was shooting video and. Um, on a, on my long lens, seventy two hundred. So everything looked completely different to me. But it sounds like you guys are pretty worn out. 
Bill, were you excited by day three to be doing the same course in the same direction for the third straight day? I was I was excited because I got to hang out with people and just chill. It was great. I shot like two laps of each race. I got the shots that I needed for my for my clients, and then they had you know two full days of stuff to go into anyway. So it wasn't really that different. The course didn't change at all. But that's not. I, I don't think that we can put that onto the race organizer at all, because I mean, what we're going to talk about is that we had the Pan Am championships, which they, they picked up as an extra day. This was not supposed to be a three day event. You know, the other three day events we've seen in the past, usually they, they change the course around. This would have been two days on the same course, which I think is, is perfectly fine. But you know, a lot of, a lot of jokes going around by that third day. I think, uh, I even, I saw Scott Funston before the race and he was just like, in jeans, you know, like an hour before the race, walking around. I was like, you're not racing? He's like, I've done 27 laps on this course. I don't need to pre-ride. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I asked him the same thing. I'm like, are you racing? He's like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and then he raced. Uh, I think so Caleb well. Caleb Swartz got the uh, local legend. I think he did, <laughs> what, what was it, 32 laps? Yeah, amazing. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, I got to say, maybe maybe Scott needs to race a course two days in a row to uh, get on the podium. I mean, had a great, had a great ride on Sunday. Didn't help for the other Scott though. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. So, but let's start with, uh, let's start with Pan Ams. You know, I mean, I think that's a, a good place. I, I'd, I'd like to start just with a women's elite race and just, I think just even, even before we get into the nitty gritty of the race, I think it needs to be said, especially on this podcast, is that we kind of poo-pooed the Garland uh, Pan Ams a bit, especially on the women's side, you know, because uh, Magley didn't go and Clara didn't go and it seemed like it wasn't in a race for everybody. And then Raylan Nuss won and was like, okay, well, that's cool. She's the Pan Am championship, well-deserved, but maybe not an asterisk, but maybe she wasn't racing against the best. And so I think for what she did, and I don't know if she was thinking about this at all, but I kind of was when she was out there and, and really just putting it to the field. I was like, this is kind of almost, can you win a race and still have a redemption race? Is that, is that possible? Is it, is it possible to be redeemed for being a champion? If it is, I think this was it. I think she proved that she is a deserved winner and pan american champion magley came back maybe not 100 percent, but really doesn't matter but she really controlled that race and showed that she's the at least for right now the the best cyclocross racer who is in the country on the on the women's side and so i i think that if if we maybe didn't give her all the credit she deserved for last year it, it certainly is for this year yeah, and talking talking with her and Megaly though, it seems like she maybe felt that way a little bit too. Um, you know, knowing that you know Megaly wasn't there, and so I think it was a big deal. They both talked about it. You know, Megaly was very gracious, and you could see that. Uh, you know, Raylan is very well liked by her competitors, and everyone was just super gracious. And uh, Carolyn Mani was out there cheering for for her, and for it was Michael was there. You know, uh, per Carolyn. Uh, Raylan is Blondie. That is her her nickname from Frenchie. But then she would stay stuff in French uh, to to Megaly as she went by. But yeah, I mean, I, I I think to Bill the way she won. I mean, we we've you know she tells you the play the playbook on Raylan is she's not a good starter and she just she started well and she just took control like right away. It was like wow, she's just like dominating this race and she did from start to finish. So I think to your point, you're right. It was very well deserved. Um, you know she controlled the race from start to finish and, you know, kind of won with a, uh, a decent margin. So, and it's awesome. And she has the Jersey. She got to keep the Jersey. We get to see the Jersey for a year. It was awesome to see the Jersey the next two days. Zach, would you say to go along with Bill's theme, was this a statement race? <laughs> did, did, did Ray Lynn make a statement? Okay. No, and I, no, because of Saturday and Sunday. I think that oh. I think a statement, and she said as much. I think a statement would have been beating money. I think that that would be a statement. So, 
Uh, and she said as much, I think she, you know, she talked both races about feeling like she's ready to start, you know, giving Carolyn, she gave her a run for the money deep into both races. So that would be a statement, in my personal opinion. But on the other side of the coin is that, you know, you race against two zero and yeah, she hasn't had that success against Carolyn. Uh, and there are also racers, you know, she didn't have the success against the Europeans who came over for the world cups as well, but the next big goal for her is nationals. And, you know, not that we have to pick our favorites right now. We got a couple weeks going in there, but she's got to be one of the favorites going into nationals. So as far as carrying that momentum, you know, racing against who you can race, I'm, I'm hoping, I don't know. I haven't heard anything from Clara hoping she's coming back for national. And she is definitely the a plus favorite in that race. And will always be as long as she's racing cyclocross. But I think Raylan's bringing, bringing a lot of domestic momentum going into that. So that's another, you know, even if she didn't get the wins on Saturday and Sunday at really rad, I think just having that Pan Am jersey and showing that what she can do against the rest of that domestic field that's eligible to race U.S. Nationals, I think it's a pretty good, pretty good sign for her. Well, I, I will say that I think it's a statement. I think it was a statement race because she wouldn't race against Caroline Monty in last year's Pan Am Champs anyway. Uh, she had um, Mags back in this race, and she handled it well. And uh, once again, I'll plug my episode of CXTV. It's on the Wide Angle Podium YouTube channel. But you do see where Raylan sort of figures out what she needs to do to win and then and then executes it you know she attacks a few times and then finally attacks i guess they're called the belgian steps i don't know what those little no no what do we what do we call that state barn stable steps (laughs) the stable steps she gets to the top and then she she punches it and then forms that first gap was that that the word that was that the word punch was that the word she kept using uh she said was it pop no pop 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 i think it was pop. pop yeah because it, yeah. really, it was interesting just how she was like, get through the technical section and another pop and another pop here. And she, you know, that was, it was really just how she was pop where I'm hitting. Yeah. And, is and what just she ex- said. Yeah. Which was really cool to listen to. And especially, I think that was the theme for her because coming out of Fayetteville, coming out of those first five or six weeks, she felt like she didn't have that pop. And, you know, we didn't really get into talking that much about Cincy or Major Taylor, but, you know, those are the races that came up in that that sort of unfortunate part of the calendar where everybody's trying to regain that pop by not racing and just going back and training. And that's what she did. That's what Curtis did. And I think you saw the results of that in this weekend from both of them, but especially, I think, from a lot of the other top racers in the domestic field that that took the same strategy for those two weekends so just like last year i think uh playing a foil to her we had had a young canadian i mean i think it would be we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the the excellent performance by sydney mcgill you know she's been starting really well all season she talked about that she's really excited to be on the front row good starter she was there in the mix with magali and raylin and you know i mean she still only finished 13 seconds back in second place but that's that's really a really good result for a young rider and uh, talking to folks, you know, we know her as a mountain biker, but it sounds like she's interested in racing more and more cross. So it's exciting to see, you know, especially with her technical abilities. Obviously, she's a great bike handler uh, coming from the mountain bike side. Um, she's putting together a good start and I think could be one of those riders that when she starts putting it together, could see her win some races when she can kind of carry that that fast start to, to, to later in the race. And she's another one who I'm not sure that Pan Ams was necessarily on her schedule before we had the change from Costa Rica to uh, the U.S. She was, you know, she was in Europe the same time that I was over there with the TXR's Devo t- team, and also uh, Stimulus Orbea, which is the home Grinzy and Ackert were all over there, you know, and a couple other Canadians as as well. And everybody kind of made the made the plans to to come back, and it it was kind of it was kind of this logistical really. <laughs> juggling game of I think everybody had to change their flights at least the Americans most people were going to Dulles where I was going they all had booked flights to Boston or uh, I think Newark is where the Devo CXR's Devo team 
went and then just got picked up straight from the airport and straight to Pan Am since it was, you know, happening a few days after Copenburg, which, uh, I think Sydney was at and then Holmgren's were at, and then all of the CXRs Devo guys were at as well. So it's, it's, it's real. you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good to be able to, to keep that momentum and keep that, uh, those good feelings she got in Europe make that flight over and still be able to get second place is, is pretty good. You know, she, she evidently did not get hit by the, uh, European, uh, field jet lag that we hear a lot about. She's going back too. She's going to the world. She's going to start with the world cup in Bexa Bergen. So Michael, I mean, I guess the other, the other big story was the return of Maggie Rochette. I think that was a really nice treat to get to learn, uh, that she was there. And, I don't know. I mean, it's it was interesting to see. You know, Ryder coming off the best results of her career, World Cup podiums, and you talk to her, and she's excited to be racing her bike. It was actually really cool to see, uh, Michael. Don't you think that she's excited to be racing her bike? Right. I had a nice conversation. We interviewed her post race, and then afterwards, I was I was kind of talking that I got my new bike because she had the same bike and if it's good enough for mag it's good enough for me and and we had a nice conversation but yeah the the energy that she had just felt like she was so excited to race um and it it was a cool thing to watch because she's at this point she's you know she's an elder statesman in the in the cross field and she had a pretty good battle with austin and it's one of those things where what's what's the phrase age and treachery beat youth and anyway strength skill i don't know strength maybe i don't know but that there's a little situations where it's like she's not fully trained up she knows it but she you know she at the beginning of the race she was at the front she got the whole shot she was going for it she's she knows how to do that you know it's muscle memory that's how she races anyway you know you kind of see how far you can go and then at the end you know she was kind of had to battle back up into that position, I think. And once again, just just her technical skills were so much higher than Austin's that she was able to win that way. And she, there was a move at the pit that was right before the finish straight and everybody missed it. And after the race, it was like, you know, like you were behind and all of a sudden you came around in front. And, and so, yeah, she sort of like was crafty in that sense that she could sort of still keep it together and get a podium. I mean, what what a what a comeback from sort of like having to sort of like stop and take a break. Uh, it was a really good result. And that was really awesome to see. I, I, I would just like to add with her coming back and, and racing this, which none of us knew then just give some kudos to Zach and the CXR's bulletin who were the first on the story getting, yeah. getting that scoop and just a, another reason you should be subscribed to the, to the bulletin. So you uh, get to know about these things, these things early, um, which, yeah, we were the first ones there. In fact, uh, at Cycling News, uh, contacting us to to get quotes for it. They ended up talking to her. But yeah, we were uh, first to print on that one, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And it got picked up by like Wheeler Flits. They were, they referenced Cycling News, you know, but you, you like to see it, you know. We, on Saturday's race report, we may have, may have cited a, a meme account, but we can actually also do... Uh, <laughs> do real journalism so yeah and it was fun i it was i on day two i mean she had a nice day too she was talking about how she felt a lot better and i was telling her that she's discovering the age-old uh masters duffers trick of racing into shape and she's like you know what (laughs) works for a lot of people i'll uh i'll do that so uh i don't know it was just really really good to see love to see the the good energy and i think everyone was just really excited uh to have her in the field and to me i think that just shows the level of respect that she has in the women's field that you know she's when she's healthy she is on another level and yet you know all these other other women are really excited to have her racing even though it means that they might not win a jersey or win a race or whatever that they're just excited to to have her in the field so huge testament to her and what she means to to that women's field yeah uh before we are we ready to move on to the men's race anything else we want to add to that that women's pan am uh before we do that just to, to go through it uh women's junior winner Ava Holmgren uh if if you're not familiar with the Holmgren sisters they are um <laughs> they you will be soon because they are they're 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 something special and they're pretty much winning every every race that they are uh entered in David Thompson uh beating US champ Magnus White 
um, and Ian Ackert for the men's junior Pan American Championship. Lizzie uh, Gonzalez, who was, I, I guess, um, going uh, for Halloween as Raylan Nuss. They, they seem to be like uh, interchangeable at this point. Uh, she won the U23 Pan Am Championship over Lauren Zerner and Cassie Hickey. Men's U23 race, Jack Spranger. We'll talk about, I think, Jack a little later. He's, he's you know, mountain biker uh, who, um, as Ellen Noble liked to point out, also was the Enduro National Champion for uh, for the U.S. Uh, and he he won the men's U23 race in a sprint over Strohmeyer and then uh, Daxton Mock, another TX First Devo rider, um, in third place. Uh, yeah, and that takes us up to the men's elite race that, um, some, some characters we've seen before up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, what to, what to say about, about this one? Bruner White, hate it. Um, Michael. Yeah, I just, you know, you'll see it in the video. We start off with Lance, Lancey Pants. Um, and I was talking to my, to my girlfriend yesterday and she's like, yeah, you know, you did have a lot of Lance in that video. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I had a lot of interviews because... He, although we have seen him this year, he was sort of, we had, he was a little bit of a fresher face on that podium and had a really good ride. And I was surprised that late in the race, he took the charge, like fifth or sixth lap, he went to the front and started drilling it. And and he said, when you're feeling good, you got to just give it a chance and see how, how far you can make it to the end of the race. Um, Of course, then he had the, the fall on the little off camber oopsie daisies um to the trailer and that kind of took him out of that hunt but i just i just thought that was a it was good to see him throwing blows at the front um trying to at least until he sort of fell off his bike which we saw a lot happen to some of the men in the in this in this uh this weekend a lot of crashes yeah did did our guy bruner really crash on on Friday though was, was that his one that clean one pretty was clean. that his one clean race of the weekend yeah he kept that one pretty clean I mean he he attacked a couple times I mean I think he broke things up uh, earlier on and then obviously made the big move later in the race it was interesting though that he he was like yeah I kind of made it in the bad spot because it was near the pit or something he's like I had to kind of break pretty early in my attack and you know we'll get to he kind of learned from that on Saturday but I think one of the more interesting things you know we've seen to me was you know we've seen just how when he attacks he if he doesn't crash <laughs> earlier in the race and he's in the thing he attacks and you know at this point Curtis White says much he just does not have a response uh, but Lance was talking about it in our, our post-race interview uh, that he kind of he attacks and everyone's everyone's dying. Everyone's kind of on the limit. And then when you just when you're dying, he goes again. Like he just has that extra effort. And, you know, I think we saw I want to say on Saturday, like Curtis kind of stuck with him at first and Bruner just kept going, you know, another another pop. And he he was able to just keep going and no one really has that response. And it just seems like. You know, it was interesting to hear from from Lance Haydat, who observed it <laughs> occurring, how he does it uh, in, you know, I think Lance has a, a way with words of, of describing stuff. And it was uh, super interesting to me uh, to listen to that. Michael, was that in your, your video? I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. Uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely was. The, the extra gear is is the, the, the thing that, like, as that's what Curtis said. It's like, he, I was in, you know, I did everything I could. To, to win that race, I was in the right position when the break went or when the move went. But when he has the extra gear that you don't have, you, there's nothing you can do. That's it. Like, there's a gap and he's out the front. So, yeah, it's, it's also, it's something that I think that if you watch Bruner out just in any racing that he does, he, he's sort of able to. To do this, I, I just I look back to the short track national championships for mountain bike, and you know you're looking at Keegan Swenson and Chris Blevins who are up there. You're like these mountain bike you know stars in the U.S. You're like, okay, well they should be up there, and Howard Gratz is up there, and then the guy in third place is Eric Bruner, just just sort of getting in there and 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 mixing it up in that discipline. And I think it really is the what he has is like an unmatched engine in in north america and even i think uh going into that european field as well and yeah if, if the guy could 
stay upright, uh, then I think if, I think we're looking at a, a whole different level that he can get to. But he's definitely as far as as far as what's under the hood. I think Eric Bruner can continue to to con- to go pretty far. Yeah, and Curtis talked about that too. That you know there were moments where Curtis was trying to put him under pressure a little bit, but he's like, Bruner's going to close down literally any gap that I, they open up and it's gotta be kind of frustrating. Cause I was like, how do you beat him? He's like, well, you know, if he was shuffled back, I tried to punch it out of the sand or whatever, but you know, really wasn't going anywhere, uh, save self-inflicted mistakes right now. I mean, I think that this is the, the rival that we, that we look at, like what is Curtis going to do? Yeah. How is he going to beat Eric Bruner? And we saw that. I mean, Sunday is the best example of that. I mean, there were times where he was dropped down to five, six, seventh place and, and Curtis did all he could. He was like, now's the time we got to do this. But it, you know, in the end, it just, it just didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's been pretty dry this year. Kind of, kind of warm, you know, it was November. Zach, I, we were, shuffling back and forth and you know outside our hotel to the cafeteria the dining hall and i was wearing flip-flops and shorts you know i was in eastern massachusetts and like i didn't think that would be a thing in november um so we've had dry races and and it's interesting to see how the climate has maybe affected the outcome of some of these races and you know the big thing at nationals well you know you know, Cam Brenner ride in the mud and, and he did ride in the mud there, but, you know, look at a race like charm city where Curtis white wins, um, different situation. So, you know, going into nationals, um, I guess, I guess I, they're both racing NoHo next week, I think. Yes. The, yeah. The blue team is staying out East. So they're gonna, they're gonna both be at NoHo. So I guess we'll have one more maybe preview. I don't know if they're going to North Carolina to you know, I don't know what the weather's going to be like there, but once again, like at nationals, it seems like it's hard to really pick against, uh, Bruner unless conditions change, um, drastically. Yeah, I think that'll, I mean, I think that'll be a fun one to talk about. I think for a lot of riders, too, because we're going back to a venue that they raced at. There's a lot of things that, that occurred there. So I'm I'm excited just to talk about the different different storylines and some of the stuff that happened in part because that was really the first nationals that I went to and covered. Um, but, you know, I think there's folks like Curtis White who want some redemption at Hartford, you know, and so we'll see what happens. It's in the Northeast. Uh, someone told me that uh, was predicting that that magic was going to occur there so we'll see we'll see what happens i think it'll be fun to talk about uh in the lead into nationals but you know i mean right now you know bruner's still on he's on another level uh when he doesn't crash he's able to make that move he he made the move and you know he he gets to to keep the jersey and is certainly a worthy worthy person to be to be sporting that jersey um but i guess you know like one of the funny things is like curtis is getting some some pretty good results right now like that's the wild thing that you know bruner is just so good and i guess curtis talks about like the level that american men male cyclocross is at and you know folks are like well it used to be that there were 10 dudes who could win a race or something like that but i would say that those two are on a super high level in terms of getting results at the international level you know uh curtis finished third at ozcross he had a good result at worlds last year he beat vincent you know finally beat vincent in a race uh but here's this this dude uh, eric bruner's getting an all-time american male record best finish in a world cup like so he's just Bad timing. He could just be the the king of of the worst timing ever. Uh, but if I'm him, I'm not disappointed in how I'm racing my bike because compared to other other peers, like in the men's field, like he's racing at a super high level uh, right now. I think. Yeah, there's a, and I I don't have any definitive information on this, but it's sort of this soft conversation I've been having with several different people just to get a gauge on it, and I'm sure there's some data out there that we can look at as well with the same caveat now this will explain where i'm going that you can't it's we see this in the nba all the time it's oh, really hard to compare gener- there. yeah to compare generations right okay. you don't want to you know comparing jordan and kobe to lebron and whomever else it's always you're always going to get into that that argument i will just say that i think that what my sort of building hypothesis is, is that the racing today uh, is 
on the men's side is at the same level, if maybe not even higher than what we saw in sort of the legendary U.S. generations of Powers and Johnson and Trebone and all those guys. I think just from where people have gotten in training and development and everything else, they are going as fast. So the people who are saying, like, you know, men's cyclocross in the U.S. sucks now, it's not where it used to be or whatever else or what's – you know, you hear that. You get We get those comments all the time. I, I think that's unfounded. And I think what we're seeing now is that that field is at a really high level. You know, it's, it's, it's always tough to compare to the European racers. There's just a lot of different, you know, factors there. But I think that from what we have now compared to what we had, you know, in the past, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty analogous. I don't think there's, there's much of a change and it may even be at a higher level. So I, again, argue with me on that. I'm happy to, to take the feedback. That's just kind of an anecdotal uh, observation that I've made and also chatted with a few other people who seem to agree with that. And in terms of the depth, I was, I was having a conversation with someone. It's like, yeah, at the same time, like Gage isn't racing this year. Uh, Carrie isn't, isn't racing this year. You know, there's these riders who have been at the top end of the sport who just aren't racing this year. And that would add, that would add depth. I think that that would add, if we had those guys then you'd be like, all right, you know, Bruner would probably still be winning everything, but you'd be like, wow, we have, we have some depth of like excellent, excellent racers in, in this field. Um, you know, Gage finished eighth in a world cup last year. Like he's getting results at the international stage. So, you know, part of it is unfortunate that, you know, we're at this moment with the, uh, gravelization and of, of the bike industry and where things are going. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's at a super high level. And uh, again, as always, just got to feel a little bit for, for Curtis that there's that other guy. Just the other guy. There's always that other guy. So I just want to know what rider you were thinking of just so we can so that we can have a little bait for the listeners to take. Are you saying like J-Pow 13-14 versus Brunner now? Who would win? I think that's a good, I think it's a good match. Okay. I think it's a good match. I think that uh, Powers, Powers is technically better. Uh, and he also was, had one of the biggest engines out there. I mean, I think there was a, there was a time that his power numbers, you know, he, he's talked about it before his power numbers, uh, would have held right up there in the prologue of the tour de France. Um, so, you know, that's, that's pretty huge, but I think that, um, you know, from just a, a power sense that, that Bruner's Bruner's a guy who's, who's shown that he's kind of got that same kind of power, but I think right now, uh, Powers, you know, technically probably better. You know, he's he's shown that he's better, especially on a course like this where it's flowy. That these are the things like in his prime that Powers would just like ride around away from people, and it's like no breaks, nothing. He would have just like crushed this. But as a group, I think that it's 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 much closer. Um, and and just you talk about depth, Zach. I think I think we can also look at those those younger riders out there. I mean, we saw Jack Spranger sort of come into his own this uh, this weekend, uh, and he's a guy who's who's going to be up there. It's first year in the U twenty three. He's already crushing it, and he's you know doing well in the elites as well. You know, and, and that that whole that whole class behind him. We got the uh, you know Bodie and I were uh, trying to figure out the uh, Clark brothers before we uh, started recording, and <laughs> they have jersey numbers, Bill. I know it's they right. have jersey numbers. <laughs> so this is so I saw those numbers on the on the race, and I was thinking I don't know who they are, but I, I, I realized I'd recognize them, and I was like, you know what? These are folks who are getting top tens in this at Falmouth. Like I need to know who they are. I was like, I should have gone around and walked around and be like. Who are you? Like, I need to know who you are. If I'm on a podcast talking about American Cyclocross and I don't know who you are yet, like, that's on me. And I'm going to, like, I want to find out who these kids are who are, like, coming up in the scene. Well, it is on you, but it's also, if you're going to talk about American Cyclocross in this part of the world, you have to know about Canadian mountain biking. And right. that's, that's kind of, <laughs> okay. that, that, that's what they're coming out of. Okay. I mean, so we had four more races. Like, I, I, I can we just get to Sunday's men's race? I mean, that's the. I feel like that's so, the one we got. Well, talk let's about. just let's just say this. You know, Carol Manny had a wonderful time on Friday. She was just enjoying life. We went out there. If you haven't seen the GCN coverage, <laughs> uh, I think um, I, 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 I can't take any credit for this. Uh, it was really just uh, Carolyn 
directing me. I was supposed to be the directing this, but she uh, did the course preview and it came out and it was a ton of fun. Uh, I did notice Marty also giving me a hard time uh, trying to catch up or keep up with her as she's running away from me um, with the camera in one of the shots. Uh, but yeah, her course preview was awesome. She was out there cheering. She was having a great time. And then she went and raced on Saturday and Sunday and pretty much uh, uh, dominated. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, so she wrapped up the series like she had a pretty substantial lead uh, and I think it was like a 44 point lead. Uh, and so she wrapped it up on uh, on Saturday to win the USCX series. It was a goal for her. You know, she's not racing in Europe. She only has four races left to go. She's going to do the last two domestic weekends and then she's uh, just going to go hang out in Colorado, uh, maybe race Colorado States. I don't know. That was a thing that we were talking about. Um, yeah. So she locked it up and, you know, as always, she was pretty funny, but it was interesting that she said she really benefited from, from cheering, from watching, uh, you know, she said that she was picking up on what the other riders were doing, how the course was riding and stuff. So, you know, although I think we, we love money because she's a quote machine, she also is dedicated to the craft and she really does her homework. And for her, while cheering on her her friends and competitors, she was also doing her homework, and she said she really benefited from that. So it's cool to see uh, that you know she is she's crafty. Yeah, and we really saw that I think on Sunday's race, which is notable in that she, you know, pretty much had the series wrapped up. But she she did you know one of those classic tactics where she was basically she wanted to kind of. Uh, wheat from Chaffet from the beginning and went out super hard. And Raylan, what I want to talk about is Raylan missed her pedal. You know, you were talking about her starts. Here was a start where I think she she didn't get the start she wanted and was a little far farther back and uh, was able to close it back down. You know, uh, Carolyn went out and pretty much got rid of, rid of the rest of the field. Raylan had to work her way through the field a little bit and was able to catch back up with her. And then, you know, once that happened, uh, Manny was like, okay, that's fine. And then they kind of raced together and she was able to out, you know, outplay her, talked about missed pedals. You know, I don't, I don't know what happened to start, but she definitely missed the pedal coming over the barriers later on. And that's what created the gap and, and Manny was uh, able to pull away. But I thought that was another... Even though she didn't win, that was another really important race for Raylan to be able to kind of close it down and make it a race for, for you know, the second half of that one. Yeah, and I, I guess I mentioned it earlier. I think one thing that is interesting to me both days talking to Raylan, she's like, "I'm ready to to beat Carolyn Mani," and I think that's good. That's a good goal. I mean, Carolyn Mani has been. You know, if we talk about the domestic field of of riders who were going to race most of this domestic season, you know, because Megley was gone, like she's been at the top, like she won the USCX. Uh, she's been at the top of this field for for years and years, and so uh, that's good. I like that. You know, that's that's Raylan's progression in the sport that she's setting her sights, and you know, uh, even though she hasn't gotten the result yet of beating her, she's like, I'm going to do it. And I think that's one thing, you know, Bill, we talk about with like her basketball background. It just seems like she really benefits from that as a, as a competitor uh, that she learned a lot. She talked about always wanting, you know, want the proverbial wanting the ball at the end of the game when the game is close. And so it's it's cool to see that level of competition and that that's what she's aspiring for. And it's certainly something that I'll be watching for uh, the rest of this season. I think she'll get another shot at her at NoHo. And then, uh, you know, maybe even going into next year, is she able to, to give uh, Carolina Mart for money and continue to make progress as a, as a cyclocross racer? Yeah. All right. Sunday men's race. Tell me about the Bash Brothers, Michael. Which ones? The actual Bash Brothers? <laughs> the cyclocross version. <laughs> So, you know, this, it's like Eric Brun, Eric, sorry, excuse me. Eric Bruner has a posse. Um, he's got the Scott and Scott bros, bash bros out there. Um, you know, metaphorically trying to wreck other people's chances while also not trying to wreck their own. Um, I think Scott McGill at, at, uh, Pan Am's crash dropped. He rolled his tire. He rolled his tubular at one point. Um, and then on Sunday's race, he was, um, he he crashed again and was chasing hard, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. It's almost like it's almost like the sauces are sweet, but our American version where we have Curtis White like on his own trying trying to you know take down Bruner, but Bruner like the blue posse is just growing and they're they're throwing attack. And Scott Funston just you know fun start going for it, big attack coming back like. 
and then White's having to, you know, dr- you know, speak about the series, having to take Brunner with him to make sure that Funston doesn't catch back up. I mean, they worked him over pretty hard. I kind of felt bad for Curtis there. I would feel bad for Curtis, but that season in 2019 when Lane Maher, Stephen Hyde, and Curtis White just worked over Kerry Werner with three dudes, like, I don't feel sorry for him. He needs a guy. He needs a posse. He needs to find someone. Uh, you know, I know him and Vandenham have done some training together or something. Maybe he can talk Michael into doing it, but I don't feel sorry for him because he, he invent he's done that. He's done that before. Um, but man, yeah, they worked him over. I, I think that they had a strategy. I, it's one of those things where it's like an omnium, right? Like you get into the omnium. This was the serious omnium. Uh, Curtis was very clear that this was a goal for him. Uh, Bruner wanted to win it and Bruner had some, some pieces to play. And I mean, they almost pulled it off. Like it was tactically brilliant. You know, that Funston attacks with three and a half to go and Bruner's on the front and he just kind of sits there. It was like funny to watch. It was, it was a road race attack. Yeah, uh, in action. And they were talking about Scott and Scott being in there, so McGill as well. And Funston actually in the post race interview was talking about, yeah, that was that was kind of the plan. But I look back and Scott was you know rolling around on his bike or doing whatever he does, and he was like, well, that's not going to work. So then he had to you know just go with uh, <laughs> Funston's great. Funston will just speak his mind. We'll we'll talk about like the end of the race later. But it's just like he's he he definitely is. I, I called him the instigator in the uh, in the in the interview, and I think he he enjoys playing that part. And it, it's he's it's very lighthearted and fun, but it's good. It's good to have that kind of competitive edge in there and a little bit of snark and everything else. Uh, it, uh, but the, what what we're talking about with the whole Scott and Scott thing? So McGill's not on blue, you know. No. McGill McGill's on his road team, but but he raced on AE Volo with Bruner, so they were teammates there. So Michael, I guess what. What you need to do, what I what I want you to do, maybe we'll get a Rob Kelly involved in this as well. Best Buddies doesn't exist anymore. Where are the cyclocross racers on Best Buddies that can come in here, maybe sign up for nationals and help Curtis? This is this is this is what we need to do now. We need to recruit. If 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 Bruno Summerhill, pulling, you're talking about Danny Summerhill. You want Danny perfect, Summerhill to perfect. come back. There it is. Perfect. This is it. This is this is the campaign we need to start now. Summerhill back in cyclocross racing to support Curtis. Yeah, his, All right, his we suspension's got over so he can race again. So I was I was scrambling like who? Who on the team? Who on the team? Yeah. Uh Funny. That's perfect. I, I it, you know why it doesn't even get more perfect than Danny Summerhill coming back to race cyclocross. And the funny thing about Danny just this is slightly related, but I was thinking about this today when we were talking talking about Bruner Powers, comparing them. I was thinking the one person to dispatch Powers from his hold when he won all his races in a row was Summerhill. He was like the first one to put the crack in the Jeremy Powers sort of shield wall of victories. And so would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, given that we're recording this on election night, I think firewall is the the term that is frequently that's used. Probably the better. Powers. Shield wall. Firewall. What is that? Dune. Oh my god! Come on. I don't know. So uh, I mean, so like at the end of this race, like you know, Curtis was able to. You know, Bruner did uh, Curtis a solid by crashing again at the barrier. So he ate it at the barrier. So I'm like, everyone's like, why is Bruner like in tenth? Like what? what what just happened? And you're like, oh yeah, he crashed again. Running, um, but yeah, everybody's running. It's not like they were like riding these, uh, as Keith Garrison pointed out, 41 centimeter uh, tall barriers, one centimeter over what they're supposed to be. Did uh, he measure? He did. <laughs> because Zach, what did I say? What did I say in the hotel room? I said it would have been hilarious if Carolyn Monty bust out the tape measure in your video. I love that he did that. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, it, it, I think he got, he might have, his bars might have gotten hooked on somebody, but yeah, he definitely went knee into the barrier and went over there. And what I will say, and I don't know if, I think we were talking about this before we started recording, is that the skill that Bruner has mastered now is he's able to recover from a crash really fast. Like, he can be just yard sailed on the ground and within two seconds he's back on his bike. He's got tons of practice with that. Yeah, and he showed no concern. I saw him. 
I mean, because like there was that big group that was trailing and things kind of came and he was like, he was literally intent and he just was like slowly passing one guy at a time. No panic. Just like been here before. Uh, I, did you guys peep his knees when he was on oh, the, uh, I, the podium? Because well, I got a photo. With I asked him if that was from because the only one that I saw was him crashing on the planks. And I was like, oh, is that from the planks? He's like, no, that's from the off camber where I crashed again in the last lap. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so Merrick Bruner is the femme van ample of the American uh, men's field. So Zach, we were talking about that. We were trying to think of nicknames for Bruner. I put out the drill. I'll let the listeners just go with that. Theater like the drill, but well, but it's it's how you get there. It was like you were like he's uh, effective, like kind of monotonous, uh, very but you know consistent, even or whatever. And yeah. and didn't I think I yeah you came up with something else, and I was like no, but like that, that was the the vibe that you were going for. But I think maybe one. the fact that he can recover from the crashes so well, he's he's the Wolverine. Ooh. I'm glad that you went to to. Uh, nickname corner because like we were struggling with this right we were you know curdy i don't even know you, some nola reference for, oh, blue, for blue runner beans yeah I mean, yeah but we've had, we, so we had some people we had dms being slid into and stuff and people giving us uh the down low so the one that i heard for curtis was super pro man uh so that was the it's out there some people call him that he said he prefers the mayor uh, but there was some debate about that because apparently there's already a mayor of NECX. Uh, but then there's some folks that call Bruner World Tour. So uh, those are the ones that those are the ones that we heard uh, that were floating how, around how about, after we we posed that. How about Last Boy Scout for Curtis? Yes. Okay. You know, he's got the salute. He's got. I feel I I I didn't watch that movie. Um, but I feel like if I did, I would have a more appreciation. I don't think the that. movie, I don't think the movie and Curtis actually have anything to do with uh, each other. Okay. Yeah. This is going for some boy scout type, uh, type reference. So, you know, if he, if he's okay, if so, if there's already a man, how about the, how about the fast boy scout? The fast boy. <laughs> fast boy. Okay. Fast boy scout. So the last boy scout. Yeah. How about, Gov the governor because there's a mayor already so he can be the governor. Hello, governor. You know he does his little his little salute at the end. I don't know. I kind of like that one. Um, so we, anyway, at the end of this race, yeah, like so, it. so Curtis eventually like gets to the front and it, it basically he makes this calculation. He's like, I need Funston. You know, basically the whole thing was if Funston gets between Bruner and White and Bruner's ahead, then. Bruner wins the series. Uh, so Curtis kind of just rode as hard as he could for the last lap and a half and was like, I'm just going to concede. I just want to keep Funston not with me. Um, you know, But he been, didn't I concede. Would, he was ahead until the last half lap. But I think he knew that Bruner was going to attack and he was not going to have the 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 juice to to kind of follow him but i don't know it just seemed like on a day that bruner made a lot of mistakes and curtis played things really correctly it seemed like it would have been cool if he had gotten like a chance to do it but he wanted to win the series he won the the series uh you know bruner won the race and then uh beef brewing i mean i don't know the instigator it makes a lot of sense now that that it makes a lot of sense and i think uh, yeah everything makes sense I had heard, I had heard, not not even from the blue guys, but I heard from others in the field, just a little rumbling about the salute at every race. You know, just just good kind of fun ribbing about Curtis's uh, celebration, even when he doesn't win. And I think it's 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 kind of he's a guy, yeah, super pro man. He's always talking about you know thanking people for coming out and thanking people for supporting it i think that's kind of his salute to the spectators who are wa- watching the race but uh, there there were definitely some of his competitors that uh had pointed that out and obviously that had gone through the blue camp as well so he came came through the finish line and and gave his little two finger salute and scott funston 2 seconds behind him just I feel like Funston practiced this because the cadence in which he saluted <laughs> and it made for a nice reel. So you, as Zach said, you can go the look at my reel. Best reel. They were 
in perfect time with each other. I mean, so Funston nailed it as far as far as the salute goes. Um, I I don't know. We'll have to talk to him about what exactly he was thinking, uh, but it was pretty funny. I want to. So one thing about you know the blue team, like if you go to the race, it's they have a compound, and it's not just the team. When I say that Eric has a posse, like. It is Scott is there and Ben Frederick is there and other riders are there. So there is a growing armada of cyclocross racers at the blue area. So this is why I said that, you know, Curdy, the governor, he needs more constituents on his side. <laughs> like it. Oh, my God. I'm liking this more and more. Yeah, there's I mean, they have a they have a crew. They have like a trap. Just, oh, Sonny's there. They got their uh, their uh, younger women racers as well. Got a little Devo action there. Cassie Hickey's Ivy Audrain is associated with them. The Squid, the Squid Squad, right. is uh, associated with them now. So, I so we were talking about nationals, Zach and I, and trying to figure out. And I was like, I am so traveled out. I've gone everywhere this year. I will say though. Seeing your reel this morning, or seeing your reel, Bill, last night, made me be like, oh, eh, I kind of want to go watch this race. <laughs> I kind of want to go see the men live. So, Bruner ended up winning Curtis to the second, uh, Funston third. Jack Spranger, as I mentioned before, uh, in there at fourth, just 20 seconds off of Bruner. Um, Caleb up there as well. You know, Caleb, we talk about him all the time, but again, just just out of U twenty three as well. Another another in that young generation, and and then then you had the Clark brothers. You know, down down from Canada, Tyler in sixth, and uh, Owen Owen in seventh. I mean, that's um, I hope they I hope they continue to to race cyclocross. It'll it'll uh, it's it's good that that's what I'm that's what I'm saying is I think that that the the field is pretty deep and it's pretty young. That's that's the one thing. You know, there's. If you're looking down the line, the the crazy thing right now is that in that top 10, Curtis White is the oldest one at 27. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a Dutch guy that showed up. <laughs> yeah, there's a Dutch guy. And then there's Ben, who's uh, Ben Frederick, who's 33. But, I mean, getting right. 14th place and he doesn't even believe in gear. So, you know, I don't... <laughs> know what's going on but i mean that's that's to a point that you've made bill that like there's no better time to be a young rider in cyclocross and i think that we're seeing like legitimate talent like in Ackert got results in in europe i mean the Holmgrens. Uh, aj you know, august one copenberg, copenberg. Right. so we have like these riders who are like i i think we the young riders who may be um you know the potential to be like at the caliber that this class of the gauge hacked Eric Bruner, uh, Lance Haydat, you know, class of rider, the Scott McGill apparently was in there too, uh, at that level. And we just, we need to keep them in the sport. We need money in the sport. So these people race cyclocross because there is talent. It's just going elsewhere. So we're looking at like AJ and, and, uh, Jack and, you know, David Thompson, Magnus White, Miles Matter, all, all, the, all of these sort of younger, Riders, I think that something can be said that they are the ones who were affected a little bit. I mean, affected a lot. I, I, I don't want to minimize this, but through the pandemic, they were 16 years old. Now they're 18 years old, right? They, those were the years they missed compared to our U23 field, who I think got hit the hardest. I think that those were like super important development years where people were going to decide if they were going to stay in the sport or not stay in the sport. And for those who were in that age range, the ones who made it on the other side, great, but I think we lost potential riders there. So that's almost the lost generation in this is, is those, those men and women who were kind of like 2021, 20, 22 during the pandemic who, I think there's an argument to be made. They got they got hit the hardest by not being able to benefit from those really important development years. I don't know what that leads into. I just wanted to sort of quickly touch on the the USCX. Uh, you know, series is over. We had some good racing. Uh, Curtis White wins it. You know, talking about you know a guy who's missing some jerseys. He got one. 
he got a big one. I think it was he, he was pretty stoked to win it. Um, pretty proud to put that on. Caroline Monty, just uh, you know, in the top five of the women, you know, you've had Caroline Monty, Raylan Nust, Austin Killips third overall, Caitlin Bernstein fourth, and Emily Warmer. And Emily Warner with that fifth place. Um, Zach, we had a funny moment on Sunday when we showed up to the venue. You know, third day, we're kind of chilled. We parked the car. We get out. There's a bike leaning up against the car next to us. And I go, pretty sure that's Jay Money's bike. You know, it, it's I, this, I didn't tell the story, but I ran into his father in an elevator in Fayetteville. And I knew it was his father because of the bike. So... We're looking at it, and I, was, I don't know, Zach, maybe it was your idea. You're like, should I get some photos of it? I'm like, yes, definitely get some photos of this bike. You need to profile it. It is, at this point, a retro bike racing in the, you know, the pro field here. And, but there was, there was no one around, just, just a bike against a car. And so I was like, I don't really want to grab it without like telling, like, telling Jay Money, Jonathan Anstern, I just want to grab someone's bike and, and, and take it to do a photo shoot. And I looked to my left, and there's a porta potty. And so I said, hey, Jay Money, you in there? And he goes, yeah. And I said, okay, cool. We're, we're going to take your bike and do a photo shoot. He's like, all right. So I, Jay Money, I mean, I, I feel like Jay Money is the, the hero that American Cyclocross needs right now. I mean, the dude is getting a fan club. I don't know if you guys saw this. There's a, uh, a nauseant, uh Instagram page, the J Money Fan Club. Uh, so Money they supporters. have one post. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But like so many cheers. Dude got so many cheers. Like, I mean, he was up there with like Curtis. I mean, uh, that you, you can't compete with Curtis in a New England race. But J Money had some fans. Like, well, even I mean, the 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 media like frenzy for covering him is. Y- y- guys got you already got scooped on the bike profile by right Caleb. no i mean that's just that's some fierce competition there so part of the reason i told the story is because jay money he told us i was like how you feeling like what's going on what are you thinking he's like well feeling better and i want him hold on to my top 10 in the uscx and he did eighth overall jay money uscx on canny canny breaks um with the flight deck. No, he doesn't have flight deck. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, going on what, you, what you're talking about with the series, I, I do think it it was a successful year for the USCX series. I think that um, where it started last year to where it is this year with the coverage, with uh, how everything's looking, how smooth it's running, that there is prize money, huge step up. Is there still room for improvement? Of course. Can it still look better? Would it, you know, if they can build off of this success and have even more cameras next year, maybe even some more prize money, even bigger and better. And just talking to the organizers of that series, that's, that's where they want to go. So it's like, nobody's given up on it. And I think it's, I think the momentum from this year is, is pretty darn good. And I think we can, uh, at least hopefully, I mean, optimistically feel that it, it's going to be, uh, there for the run of its contract, which is four years. And, um, I'm hoping that it's even better coverage next year. So I, that was, I was pretty stoked with how it, how it all ended up in the end. Anything else for this? Uh, or should we get out of here? Vamanos. Good one, guys. Great to see everybody back here. Uh, and, uh, we'll do it again next week. We'll see y'all. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.